Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. There's a verse I want to highlight today, and it's in 2 Timothy 3.1, and it's just the first part of this verse, and it's where it says, in the last days, difficult times will come. Now, how many of you know we're in the last days? This is the last days. We're in the last days of time, which is like a shocking thing uh, of this of this era. And God says, and he warns us, that difficult times will come in the last days. Now, if you look through history, you'll recognize um, difficult times have come. A lot of that's because the evil that are, that's in men's hearts. In fact, that's what it says in Timothy. But difficult times do come in the earth. Often they'll come suddenly and unexpectedly. You know, uh, one thing about our generation, we haven't really seen extreme difficult times. You know, now that COVID is sort of behind us in in a lot of ways, we don't tend to go, oh, that was the worst thing ever, even though we realize it was bad. But the generation before my generation, I mean, you just think about that. I mean, they went through the Depression. That was 10 years. And uh, they went through World War One. <laughs> World War Two, what the Korean War was it? The the Vietnam War. I mean, they went through so many things that were really intense, and a lot of these things happened in a day. They were thrust into a new world. Uh, tribulation or difficulties were happened in a day. The the um, the Great Depression. I forgot the day, but it was October 1929, something like 24th or something of October. You know, you just think, wow, they have a day. And what happened that day? It started by people panicking and selling stocks. So I forgot how much the stock market dropped that day. I don't know, maybe 15% or 20 I don't remember. But I do remember that before it was all over, the stock market had gone down 90%. Think about that. And you've got people jumping out of these. I mean, they were they lost everything. So many people lost everything. They knew they weren't going to be able to pay their mortgages. They knew that and there was and that 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 time the government wasn't going to say, "Okay, you can't kick them out of the house. No, you're going to lose your house." So so many people were in so much desperation, they committed suicide and whatnot. But it, just think about that. That Great Depression, which lasted about 10 years, started on a day. A day. It's amazing. I mean, uh, and think about, well, everybody knows the story of um, World War II in America, right? I think it was December 6th. Is that, is that right? Boom. Hawaii gets hit. Surprise attack. It happened in a day. Nobody was expecting it. We didn't know back then. You know, we didn't have all the satellites and whatnot to be able to see what's going on in the waters. And there are the Japanese, and all of a sudden we're bombed, and boom, we're thrust into an immediate time of difficulty and stress. And you see, this generation hasn't seen that kind of thing. You know, it's hard to, for this generation to imagine that something like that might happen, that something crazy might happen in this world. But 
difficult times will come. And I'll tell you, I would guess that between now and when Jesus comes, there are going to be some significant, crazy things that are going on. And I believe all of us need to be prepared, even though maybe it's never crossed your mind that something like that might happen. (laughs) You know, I, I was thinking about this, talking to somebody the other day, how, you know, some people get in in the stock market at a certain time. And see, if they get in right before it starts to run for a few years, they think, oh, man, I'll never lose, you know. And so they invest more and more. And then and then you can tell them, oh, don't. Now, somebody that's been there will say, be careful, just be prudent, just be faithful, whatever. But um, in their minds, they can't lose. But then the day comes, <laughs> you know, and I just feel like our culture is a little like that. Not about the stocks. I'm talking now about. I'm talking now just about life, and we see what's going on in Russia, and in um, the U- with the Ukraine, and you know. And I'll just I'll say something else too. It's hard to, for me personally. I don't know where all of you are in life, but it's hard for me to trust what I hear anymore. You know, it doesn't matter what side you hear it from. Um, you know, it's sort of hard to to know whether what you're getting is propaganda or whether it's true. Or whether it's just somebody who's a nuthead. I mean, you just you just don't know unless you you have to research these days to get down to the bottom of the the facts and you know the details. And we're in a world where you know the the narrative is always tried to be formed by somebody else. So you don't get the facts, you get the narrative that somebody wants to share mostly more than the facts, right? And we have a lot of individuals trying to say, well, we don't want you to even hear the other narrative, right? We just want to hear. <laughs> So I'm just saying we're living in a day where we are programmed and set to go in a certain direction. And God wants to pull us all out of that where we wake up, where we have ears to hear, where we have eyes to see, where we're perceptive and where we're connected with God. And we're not just like zombies walking around in this earth going with the force of this world because we live in a world that is fallen. We live in a world that is fallen and we have less godly influence, particularly I'd say in America, because that's what I'm more familiar with, than I'd say in many parts of the world, like in Europe particularly, than there has been in generations past. And so what happens there? When there's less light, darkness begins to encroach upon the light. And it's like the night is coming. You remember when Jesus was there? He's like, look, the day is here, but the, the night's coming. Let everybody do what they can in the day because the night's coming. He was talking about a little season where something was going to happen and it was going to be there was going to be like darkness in the land for a little while until the next breakthrough came and i just want to say there's a time right now where i believe that there's an encroaching darkness but it's not i don't think it's because the church is it has lost i feel like god has a remnant that he's been preparing and there are people that have been going through what they've been going through and they've not given up and they're holding on to God. And yes, God has pruned out of his church things that needed to have gotten pruned. You realize that G- Jesus says he prunes things, right, that are his. Why? So that they might produce more fruit. We look into that in our own lives. How many of you have ever had God prune you? And, you know, it doesn't feel good, right, when he starts cutting things out of your life that are a hindrance to you. They don't produce fruit, but they get all your energy. That's where all your growth is. You know, when you don't prune 
a tree or a, a fruit-bearing tree, guess what branches grow? The ones that don't produce any fruit, they grow the most. They take the most energy, and that's the way it is with our lives. And I would say that's the way it is in the church world. You see, the church will tend to grow and give effort to that part that isn't of God. And sometimes we have to go through things, times, and situations where God cuts off the things that are in the way, taking up space, taking up energy that are not of God, and it looks like everything's dying back. And that's what I believe the church has looked like. But God has a plan. God always has a plan to prune. And what's he going to do? He's going to bring forth more fruit. And I will tell you this, more fruit is coming. The pruning that has happened in the church is nothing but evidence to me that there's getting ready to be a great outpouring on the body of Christ that has been getting ready, that has been getting healed from their own personal times of pruning. Because as God's been preparing the whole, God's been preparing individuals. And there's going to be an amazing time of fruitfulness coming up. And I want to encourage every single one of you who are connecting with God and you've made a decision, I'm going to walk with God, I'm going to follow God. Yes, God will prune you. Yes, it's not always fun and sometimes it's painful. Sometimes we don't want to let go of those things because we think they're so precious. But God looks way down the road and God says, I've got something in mind for you that's greater. If you'll let me take care of this issue in your life and cut it off, watch the fruit that I'm able to bring out of you. What an amazing thing. God will bring fruit out of every one of our lives if we'll just let him prune us. And all we have to do is stay connected. Stay connected. That's it. If you stay connected, you're going to get pruned. If God starts to prune you, the only way you cannot get pruned is to run away from God. All you have to do is stay connected. He says, abide in me, and I'm going to abide in you, and I'm going to prune you. <laughs> we don't often see how bad things are in our lives. We don't see what a mess it is, but God sees it. We're, we cherish things. God's going, oh, I can't believe what he's holding on to, right? I mean, what a crazy thing sometimes we hold on to and God's just going, oh, just crazy. You ever, you know, if you have children, you, you might think, you know, something that a three-year-old or a four-year-old's crying about and you're like, let go of that. There's something better for you. But they just, whatever it is, just so upset because they're fixated on that. And God's like, if you would just get your mind off of what you're holding on to and put your mind on me, how good I am, how faithful I am, how true I am, how I'm going to come through for you then it's going to be so much better for you and you're going to have the ability to, to take steps forward in what God's called you to do. Amen? So anyway, in this hour that we're living in, I seriously see the potential for difficult times to increase. And uh, if America doesn't turn around, if, if there's not a turnaround, can you not see the momentum going in the wrong direction? Y'all see what I'm saying? We're going in the wrong direction. There's a momentum going in the wrong direction. We're making wrong decisions. I mean, it's crazy. It's like we're incapable of making right decisions right now. Is the curse of God on us? I don't know what's going on, but I'm just saying, if something doesn't turn around, um, you know, I, I heard like inflation was 8% last year. You said, that's a whole, that's a lot, right? 
That means, you know, if you have $10,000 in the bank, now, just by inflation, you've got around 9000 right? Now, I just want to mention this just for a minute. This is a little off topic, but it's been said inflation is the greatest way to tax the population ever, right? It lowers the debt, in a sense, in the government, and it, <laughs> it reduces the, the money that you have. But it sneaks up on people because they don't even realize what happened. It's a fun, it's crazy. But anyway, um, I don't see that curve slowing down anytime soon. It just is getting it getting going. And a bunch of other things are happening. And I could just list one thing after the other. But I just want to say there are a lot of crazy things happening right now. There's there's wars. And by the way, you just think about this. You know, we're opposing Russia. Are we going to be courageous and oppose China if they go to Taiwan? You, you know what I'm saying? China's already done a whole bunch of stuff, and they're doing things to people all the time. You, you read up on it if you don't know about it. Why don't we stand up against them? Maybe because we get a lot of money from them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I think it's just things to think about. But my point is, in the direction that we're going, there are going to be some difficult times unless things turn around. But something I want to encourage you in, in, in now, people are like getting into prepping again, right? Y'all know like everybody's saying, hey, make sure you got some cash at home. Hey, make sure you get some food and put it somewhere just in case something crazy happens. Hey, look at the food supply. Well, you don't know what. So they're getting into that. And I, that's not bad at all. I think that's smart to have something there at home. But let me just say this too. If, you look, if God's looking at you and you're talking about this situation and you're like, God, what's, what do I do? You know what God's going to tell you the first thing? Get close to me. But there's so many things, God, first thing, get close to me. If you are close to me, if you learn how to pray, if you learn how to trust in me, no matter what else is going on, I'm going to take care of you because I'm bigger than your problems and I'm bigger than whatever else could ever happen in this nation. Amen? So God's big thing is get to him, you know, get closer to him. Now, there are so many stories in the Bible where things got really, really bad. And in those situations, God's people began to cry out to him in impossible situations. And God came through and he delivered them. And there's so many verses about that. Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord does what? Delivers. Come on now, I know you already know that scripture. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Psalm 34, 6. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and he delivered him out of all his troubles. I love that. He's in troubles. He's got difficulties, you know. And he says, this poor man, this humble man, this lowly man cried out, cried out. What does it mean, you know, when he says cried out? He's talking about a cry of desperation, a cry of, God, you got to come through for me. He's pouring out his soul to God. It's not a passive prayer. This poor man cried out. The Lord heard him, and the Lord delivered him from all his troubles. Psalm 125 says, those that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, like a mountain 
they shall not be moved. Man, you can have a hurricane come. You can have a tornado come. You could have whatever come. That mountain's still going to be there after it's over. Right? God says, those people who trust in me, they're like a mountain. No matter what comes, they're going to still be standing when it's gone. I love that. Amen? Amen? God will make you so strong, you'll be standing no matter what, what happens in life. The problems will come, the problems will go, and there you'll be, standing still. Amen? God loves to do that, and He loves to watch that happen. Psalm 134, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps. Man, don't you like that? Encamps around them that fear the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It means you respect God. You want to do things God's way. You're not going to go do something. Now, you know, when I was, um, I would not have uh, spray painted my house when my, da my dad was out. I would not have taken crayons and marked on the wall. You know, when I, maybe I would when I was three, didn't know better. But I'm, when I was five, six, seven, or whatever, I would not have done that. Why? Because I know, oh, my daddy, my mom, they don't want me to do that, right? The fear of my dad, I mean, I respected it. I know that was against the law in my house to write on the wall with crayons, okay? So, you know, when you, when you have the fear of God, you don't want to do something that's not right. You're not afraid of God like, oh, God, I can't come. It's not I can't come to God. I wasn't afraid of my daddy that way, you see? But the fear of God, whoever has the fear of God, you're wanting to walk in such a way to please the Lord. You don't want to do something just for your own benefit. If it's not going to please the Lord, you're going to go, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Sometimes you'll say, I'm not going to take advantage of that opportunity. I just don't feel good about it. I don't think the Lord wants me to do that. And, you know, it just doesn't seem right. So you do it because you're, you're respecting God. God looks after that individual, those people in a special way. It says those that fear the Lord. He shall deliver them. Deuteronomy 33, 27. God is your refuge and underneath you are his everlasting arms. What a great picture. And he shall drive out the enemy from before you. Now, there's so many great stories of deliverance in the Bible. And, um, you know, where where you've got these situations like like I was talking about earlier where Everything's going along fine, and then, wow, something happens. And then, uh, and then they cry out to God, they pray, and, and God comes through for them. So one of these that I want to mention today is, and that I'm going to talk about today and next week, is this, it's about the, the Esther, the story of Esther. It's actually Esther is part of the story. It's almost a bigger story about Mordecai, and it's also a story about Haman, Haman is the evil character in the story. Now, Haman is like the evil, an evil leader in Persia. Persia was the, um, at that time, it was the greatest empire the world had ever known. Okay, and you've got Haman, who is the, like the right-hand guy to the king. And he was pretty much running a lot of things. And um, he got this law put into effect. In one day, in one day, this is the craziest law. He goes up to the king and he goes, there are these people, they are no good. They are bad for our nation. We need to get rid of them. They're going to cause trouble. And so the king goes, okay, 
I can't believe the king says that, right? He just takes his word, okay, you can execute them. Who are these people? They're the Jews. The next day, it's written on the, on the 13th of Adar, every Jew should be executed by, you know, the people there. In fact, they were going to pay him to do it. Now, that's just the craziest thing. But you, you, you just wonder, how do these people feel? You're going about your day. Everything is the same. You're peaceful. You're doing your business. You're doing your work. You've got your family. And then the next day comes and you get some kind of, you know, there's some kind of announcement. Every person who has your last name or something like that is going to be executed. You're going to go, whoa, that's so unfair. Where'd that come from, right? Out of the blue. Everybody in some kind of group you're associated, who have, you know, everybody from a certain city, everybody with whatever, they're going to be killed on a certain date. <laughs> Is that not crazy? Imagine living in, in a place and that happens to you. I mean, they're going, what? Is this real? Is this real news? Yes. It's a decree. They're reading it in every city. Your days are numbered. Your days are numbered. And there's a particular day. I mean, I mean, that would have to be what you're going to be talking about, right? And how are you going to feel when you go home knowing that you're getting ready to be executed by a sword, by who knows what? How's it going to happen? And you go home. You're going to be talking, you know, the, now this is generally what's going to happen to a, even a believer. They're going to be frantic at first, right? They're going to call everybody, tell everybody the news. They're going to cry. They're going to scream. They're going to say, this isn't right. Isn't that right? Even if you're a Christian. And then after about a day or two, you're going to start pulling yourself together and you go, wait a minute. We got to pray. We've got to pray. And then, then all that turns into a prayer movement, doesn't it? Yes. Can y'all just see? That's exactly what happens. And I believe that's what happened there. They got God involved. God involved. And then when you look at the story, it's amazing how God brought deliverance for them. And what I like about this story, too, you know, if you have in the story with Egypt, um, you have a deliverance and God did it by these miracles, you know, like the Red Sea parting and and a lot of other things like this, God delivered the Jewish people in this story of Esther in, in very natural ways, so to speak. It was definitely supernatural, but it wasn't like this Red Sea opening up. It was through amazing circumstantial things that God did to turn everything around. And you see, I love this because we're able to see when the Red Sea opens. Oh, that had to be God, right? But God wants us to be able to see when he moves in other ways. And we need to be so in tune with that. God expects us to see these things. You know, some people, they're like, well, if it's not in the, if it's not in the word of God. Well, that's true. But doesn't God also show himself? Didn't Jesus Say, if you don't believe my words, look. Can you not see something with what's going on when I pray for somebody? Do y'all see what I'm saying? 
God wants us to be able to look, and sometimes you can see. In fact, we're going to see this next week. But people begin to look at what's going on, and they go, they're recognizing God's involved. And I just want to say, think about this now. You need to be able to back up in life right now, start being sensitive to the Lord, and start getting your eyes opened. Amen? God wants to show you things, not just about the world, but about your life. He wants you to start paying attention and recognizing where he's involved and what's he doing. How are you supposed to respond? That should alter your prayer life. You should be connected with what you see God doing in your life every day. If you don't have that dimension going on in your life, there's a spiritual part of your life missing. And once you begin to connect with God on the watching what he's doing every day, how he gets involved, how he motivated you, how he spoke to you, how somebody came into your world, so to speak, you know, you're going to just enjoy it, enjoy that part of your life a lot more. Anyway, this is so interesting, okay, to me. Um, the thought came to my mind. I was like, Lord, what should I, what, sh- what do you want to talk about in, this week? And this story came to my mind and Haman came to my mind. And so I started like putting things together and thinking, okay, well, I'm going to talk about that this week and about the deliverance. And then Melody was over, um, was the last, no, the night before last? And uh, she mentioned Purim and I'm going, oh, wow. Now, Purim is uh, a day that the Jews celebrate and it's actually the deliverance that happened in the book of Esther. You see, what happened was there's this day the 13th of Adar, which is a Jewish month, when they were supposed to be killed. Well, God turned everything around, and on the 14th, excuse me, on the 13th, they ended up winning, and on the 14th, they celebrated, God delivered us. So every year since that time, the Jews and some Christians, and it's right for Christians to celebrate this too, Celebrate that day. It's the 14th of Adar. And uh, she brought that up, and I'm like, wow, that's next week. And I, and God was telling me, you know, to preach on this message this week. I wasn't even thinking that Purim was next week. Isn't that crazy? So I go, what are the chances of that happening? I haven't spoken on this mess this in a long time. See, when something like that happens, sometimes I go, wow, it makes me look and go, is, was God in that? Was God in that circumstance? So it makes my ears sort of pay more attention because I'm thinking, wow, wait a minute, maybe God's in that. And, and now I begin to think maybe there's a lesson in this story God wants to give to us because he's sort of lined things up. And maybe there's something I need personally. Maybe it's nationally. Maybe who knows what it is. But let me pay attention and let me read this book of Esther this week myself. Because in addition to what we learn in church on Sunday, God can speak to me certain things in the book as well. Amen. I'd encourage you all to read the book of Esther this week because we're going to hit part two next Sunday. And this is a fun book to read, by the way, for those of you that have trouble reading the Bible. You're going to enjoy the book of Esther. It's a it's a great story, and it's a true story. Anyway, so I believe God's God's got something to tell us. All right, so who's Esther? Esther's this young Jewish lady, and um, 
She was, um, her parents must have died when she was young. She was brought up by Mordecai, who was her uncle. He raised her just as his own daughter. So um, this woman was selected. I mean, she's a Jewish lady. She, she wasn't like a, a socialite or anything. She, wasn't, she wouldn't have been necessarily well-known out and about. Um, and this Jewish lady, through a series of events, which I'm not actually going to get into this time, which I normally would, but it's just I don't want to highlight that part of the story. But through a series of strange and unusual events, Esther ends up being the queen of Persia. She went from nowhere being a nobody who and a Jewish girl to being the queen. And this is like being the queen of of in in the largest empire in the world. I mean, think about that. It sort of reminds me of Joseph. Here, Joseph came out of the bottom of the pit and God brought Joseph from the bottom of the pit, so to speak, to the right hand of Pharaoh. And he ended up having, actually, he was the one who did everything. Pharaoh just watched, right? It was like Joseph was the one that has power. Now, look at these two stories. I mean, God is not, he doesn't have his hands tied concerning you and where you need to be and how to get you to where you need to be. Every one of us can look at ourselves, maybe when we're, we're you know, living so far back in the woods, we don't have an address or whatever, you know, we're, or, or, you know, we're having, having bad things happen. We seem like we've been done wrong. It, God is so much bigger than that. And God is able to get you where you need to be, where God wants you to be. It's going to fit into his great purpose. And wherever you are right now, you've got to know through all the stories of the Bible that there's a purpose for your life. And if you're walking with the Lord, where you are is just just temporary because there's always something more God is bringing you to. You might be on the path, but I doubt you're at your destination and God's going to put you exactly where you need to fulfill your call. I think this is amazing. God got this woman to be like, it's sort of like Pharaoh's right hand. She was the king's, she was the queen. So, Okay, so one day, the story goes like this, as she's being the queen. And by the way, she doesn't even know why she's the queen. She might be going, why'd this happen? You know, if she's a little vain, she might go, I'm so beautiful, it would just have had to have happened. It's just what I deserved. You know, I doubt she was like that. Some people are. Anytime they get blessed, oh, I'm so great. I mean, you don't know me. I mean... It's funny, the people that get promoted so much in certain arenas, you know, the more, the more pride they get, right? Anyway, she didn't know why she'd been promoted. She was probably going, this is the craziest thing. How did I end up here? I mean, it just had to be God. And God does that with a lot of us. Watch your life. When you start serving the Lord, watch your life. You ought to write down the, little, the journey. 
it's going to be fun at the end of the journey to read it or for your children to read it. Anyway, so he, she's brought up by Mor- Mordecai, as I mentioned. Mordecai is sitting at the gate somewhere, and he hears these two guys talking, and they're, or, yeah, so, and they're talking about killing the king. They've got a plot. This, and that's very funny to me. That makes me think the king must not have been very popular, I guess. They're just talking openly about killing him close enough to Mordecai where he can hear. Now, we've talked about Esther being right at the right where she needed to be, right? Think about this. Mordecai is exactly where he needs to be that day to hear this discussion. He might be thinking, oh, that just happened to happen. No, if by the end of the story, if he had not heard that and things transpired, that's what God used the, the end of this to save him. Wow, it's a crazy thing. So Mordecai hears these guys talking about killing the king. And then, then he goes and he tells Esther. And Esther tells the king. And Esther says, uh, it, it says this. Esther, this is um, chapter 2, verse 20. Esther had kept her secret, her family background, meaning nobody knew she was a Jew. Um, just as Mordecai had told her to do, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. What a, what a neat statement. And then it says, During this time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, and these two men, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate the king. But Mordecai found out about the plot, told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And then when the report was found to be true, they've got them in they, and they hanged them. Okay, so I want to just mention this right here. Um, first of all, this, this picture shows you a little bit about how close she was with Mordecai. I think this is so neat. How many of you, you ever just feel like, you know, you need some direction in life? I don't care how smart you are, how wonderful you are. You know, you always need to have somebody speak into your life. Esther, historically, Esther was considered to be like one of the greatest queens. She was considered by history to be a great leader in Persia. A great leader in Persia. A great woman. Strong woman. I mean, there's, a, there's quite a bit of history outside of the Bible, I mean, about her, from what I understand. I haven't read it, but I've read about what it says. And um, it's really interesting. But you think about this strong woman who's a leader, and it says she's still paying attention to Mordecai and his instruction. I think that's just amazing. He's mentored her when she's growing up, and here he is because he's a wise man. He's still got a word into her life. And I, I think it's so important that wherever you are in life, that you don't think when you get grown, you don't need people to speak into your life. You don't need mentors anymore. Oh, that's a sign of weakness. No, it's not. You being able to recognize where wisdom is, recognize where understanding is, and get under that. And sometimes 
do that instead of what you might be thinking because you trust that even more sometimes than what you're thinking. I'm not saying every situation, but she did what Mordecai would say because you go, hmm, he's, that's probably the right thing, right? I just want to encourage all of you, get that. Get that in life. Submit yourself. And I'm not just talking, yet, yes, if you're do, doing secular work, learn the trade from somebody who knows. But I'm talking about life. You know, I can remember certain times in my life wishing, man, I wish I had like a father figure right now in my life to help me in this situation. You know, and I just want to encourage you, ask God to put that in your life wherever you are. Some father figures, mother figures, people that are going to help you go in the right direction. I believe we all need that. And it's something that's missing in the body of Christ. I believe we need more mature men who are fathers, who will spend time with the younger generation. More women who will be like mothers to the young women and spend time with them and teach them things and talk to them. We're so cocooned in our different worlds, but that's not God's will. God wants us to be family. Brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers. God wants the those that have been there, done that, that are a step ahead of us to teach us how to go. Amen? Anyway, secondly, I, something about that passage that impresses me is it says, she told the king and she gave him credit. You know, somebody who's great doesn't worry about somebody else getting the credit. But little people... Always want to get the credit. Think about that. Are you a little person or a big person? Do you know people? You might know people at work. They always want the credit. Not only for what they did, maybe even for what you did. Sometimes, do you ever know, notice somebody come up with an idea or somebody will say something, uh, somebody will do some project, and the boss will take that and show it like, like he came up with the idea. Have y'all ever seen that? Esther could have said, hey, boss, hey, king, hey, through my resources and what I've been doing to help your kingdom and to, to do this, one of my sources has informed me she could have made it all about her. She didn't. She made it all about Mordecai, which is an amazing thing. And, and I just want to encourage you guys, give credit to other people. Don't worry about getting credit for every single thing, but you make sure that other people get their credit and you watch how God raises you up. You see what kind of woman she is? She's giving credit to Mordecai. Mordecai did this. He, it's his, he, he's the one that's for. She gives him credit. Because of her giving him credit, that also ends up being part of what God's going to use for deliverance. If she hadn't done that, she herself would have not been delivered later. I just think that's that's in a all these little parts of the story are so interesting to me. Another thing that I think is interesting right here is Mordecai did not get blessed for what just happened right then. He got forgotten. How many of you have ever done something you thought you were doing right? You, you, you went the extra mile and whoever you did that for didn't even notice it. You ever had that happen? Yeah. You ever. How do you feel? You get upset and you say, man, I can't believe I did all that. I did all that. And they didn't even notice it. Does it ever get you upset? 
this man, Mordecai, did something great. Maybe it was even a dangerous thing that he did, ratting these guys out. And, um, and he's not even remembered for it, you see. And I want to encourage all of you, when you do good for someone, don't look for that person to do good back to you. Do it expecting nothing in return from that person. Because God says, when you do right, He's going to personally bless you back. Amen? But He says, you can't do it to be blessed from the other person, lest you not get the blessing from God, right? You know, He uses this example and He says, look, if you're going to pray, uh, don't do it to be seen by men. If you do to be, that's your reward. If you're doing it so men will pay you back a compliment, that's your reward. Don't do it so that you'll get, be paid back for them. Don't expect something back from them because if you do, that's all you get. Now, I'm not saying it's bad for people to give back to you. That's good too. But God's saying, don't even worry about it. If they do, praise God. If they don't, praise God because God says, he himself will reward you. He says, when you pray, when you give to the poor, when you do whatever, don't expect them to get, give back to you and God will reward you. He even says this, bless your enemies expecting nothing in return and God himself will reward you. Right? Man, I love this and I want you to know something for every good deed you have done because it was the right thing to do, you did it unto God, and maybe it looked like you were not acknowledged for what you did, I would just want to encourage you, you better let go of that because every single thing that you have done unto the Lord, God says He is going to bless you back, and it's going to be a reward, and it's going to be at the right time. I think it is so neat that he is not rewarded right here for his good deed. Because God himself is going to reward him later for this deed. And it is going to be his deliverance. It's going to be the beginning of a turnaround. Man, I love that. You see, what you are sowing and what you have sown in the past of doing good, doing right, God will often use that as a blessing in your future to turn your life around. Maybe when you did something, it was a sacrifice. It seemed so big. And maybe it looked like God didn't see and nobody saw. And you got, never got blessed because of it. Let me tell you something. God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. You are going to reap back good for every good you have sown. Amen. Man, God is good, and God's got His timing. It's going to be at the exact right time when you need it. Man, I bet Mordecai could have gone, man, it, man, that king, he could have at least given me, you know, like a hamburger or something. Nothing. And sometimes we're going, man, man, why? God saw it. God saw it. God saw what you did. Good. And God's going to bless you back in His time, in His way, and, and it's going to be good. Amen? That's one thing God says He wants us to know. Every good deed is going to come back to us at some time and point in life or in the next life.
everything. And he says, don't be mocked about that. That's one of the principles that's spoken of like more than most of them. I mean, it's all over the Bible. Anyway, so this happens, and God is definitely going to be showing back up with that. Now, let's read another little story right here. Let's, let's read uh, Esther 3, 1 and 2. It says, after these events, King Xerxes honored Haman. Oh, no. Elevating him and giving him a seat of honor. Oh, no. Y'all ever see somebody get promoted? You're going, how in the world did that happen? That is the worst person to be in that position. How did God let that happen? I don't know how God let that happen. That just wasn't right. Anyway, it happened. So he's higher than that of all the other nobles. And you can go, well, you see, God's principles don't always work. No, they're going to work. They always work out in the end. It's the middle part that we're looking at that we can't figure out. And sometimes we're looking at the middle of a situation and not the end. The end always ends up where God wants it to end up. Amen. The middle, sometimes it's all confusing. David says, look, I look at the wicked prosper and I go, God, I just, I just can't figure it out. But then I remember the end, right? Or, or I, I consider, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not seeing the whole picture here. Anyway, so here's Haman. He's been elevated. And it says this, Haman, the son of Hamadasa, the Agagite, or Agagite. Yeah, I don't know how to even pronounce that, but I know what it means. Uh, elevating him, giving him a seat of honor. Okay, now, and then, um, anyway, so let me read the next verse too. And it says, all the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman. For the king had commanded this concerning Haman. But Mordecai wouldn't kneel down or bow or pay him honor. Now, we don't know why Mordecai wouldn't bow down. Theologians think it wasn't necessarily an act of worship. It was like you might do in society, like to bow your head or whatever. When it, well, in that society, when an official came, they would bow or bow the knees, just sort of like a form of respect. And for some reason, Mordecai would not do it with Haman. We don't know why, but he does. It says when they asked him about it, and why aren't you doing this? What they found out is he said he's a Jew. So you're going, okay, we don't know exactly why, but it's got something to do with him being a Jew. It's got something to do with his conscience. Mordecai would not bow down for some reason out of conscience sake because it would have offended God and been contrary to his faith. Now, that is such a telling and uh, illustration for us, I believe. Because when I hear that story, I think about how many times we are pressured to bow the knee and to compromise our values for something. And it might get us out of trouble doing that. It might cause things to go easier on us to not stand for what we believe, just to sort of go along just, uh, well, you know, you know, you don't really mean it, you know. So he could have crossed his fingers like that, right? Do the people still know what that means? That was when I was a little child, right? That means you don't mean it, right? So they could have done that. Stick a, you know, Mordecai could have gone, okay, God, you know. God, right? I, you know, I don't mean this, Lord. But he didn't do that, right? He just said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to bow. And what he do? He ended up paying the cost for it. And, and, See, 
If you're going to serve the Lord and stand for what is right, you are going to pay a price. People will look down on you. Sometimes they'll, they'll make fun of your face. They'll make fun of your standards. It's because your standards are upsetting them. If you're flowing along with them, there's no light. Light disrupts darkness all the time. And if people have the darkness on the inside of them, if you're doing what's right, it agitates them so badly. They can't stand it. And so it's just better not even to go there. Don't, don't rock the boat, you know. Just, just flow with everybody else. Just don't, don't be too loud. Don't say anything about your face. Don't, don't do that, you know, and, and everything will be okay. Now, all of us need to ask ourselves, do I get upset at the fact that people will, and you ought to ask yourself this, do you shun back at the thought that people are not going to like you serving the Lord? They're going to get upset about you serving the Lord. They're going to say something negative about you serving the Lord. Do you back up because of that? Does it bother you that people put you in another category because you serve the Lord? Jesus, well, praise God for that. Jesus said this. He says, um, you know, if you're of this world, he said this in John 15, 19, if you're of the world, it would love you like its own, but the world hates you. The world hates you. Think about that. Because you're not of the world. If the world doesn't hate you, maybe you hadn't come out of it yet. Are y'all with me? But when you come out of the world, the world, it's like yeah, all of a sudden it sees you differently. And when you take a stand, it's going to it, it those kind of things begin to happen. You end up sort of paying a price for standing up. And what do we stand up for? You know what? It's not about being obnoxious. It's not about being with a bad attitude. We should do everything we do with a with, with love in our hearts and care for people. But you, do you know that if nobody stands up, nobody will ever get saved? Did y'all know that? How will they be saved if nobody ever says something to them about it? Do you know if nobody ever speaks up that culture never changes? The Bible says that we're the salt of the earth. But if you stay in your salt shaker, you don't affect anything. God wants you to be willing to make a stand, to get out, to be bold. And God's Jesus is like, they're going to get upset at you, but don't worry about it. It's just normal. Don't let it bother you. I shared this story I shared a few months ago. I just found this out. I had never read it until like a year or however long ago. But y'all remember Timothy in the Bible where Paul kept writing to my son Timothy. And he would say, you know, be bold. Don't be fearful. And you, you, when you're reading the word a couple of places, when the way he writes to Timothy, you think, man, Timothy must have been such a shy guy. So intimidated, was afraid to stand up. You know, and he's telling them, hey, don't be afraid to stand up to these guys. You know, and, and when I was reading how Timothy died, <laughs> I was just so blown away. He, w he was at, he was at uh, a festival, a worldly festival. The, the closest thing that we'd have would be like the Mardi Gras. He was at something like that. Now, I've never been to the Mardi Gras, so I haven't seen what happens there. But in this particular place, they were dressed up like that, like they would be at the Mardi Gras. And they're getting drunk, and they're in immorality and sexual immorality and timothy goes there to talk to them about christ and about righteousness and he's telling them guys what are you doing 
this isn't right. You can't do this. And he's wanting to bring them to Christ and bring them out of that. And guess what they did? They killed him. They killed him for that. You know, um, speaking up what's right. How many, you know, if you start to say what's right today, you get angry. All you, I mean, people get angry at you. Isn't that true? You know, you can't even say um, things about um, what's right and wrong sexually. People get angry at you, won't they? I mean, it's crazy angry. You can say it as lovingly as you want to. Oh, you don't have a right to even have that opinion. We're going to cancel you. We're going to take you off YouTube. We're going to take you off whatever. Because you can't say that. That's hate. And we hate you. The irony is they hate you, but you don't hate them. You're just telling them the truth. Because nobody can get helped unless somebody tells the truth. Oh, let them go do their own thing. You know, I'm just not going to say anything. You're letting them run off a cliff. Well, they might get mad at me. Jesus said they would. Well, I don't feel good. You'll get over it. Just ask God, Lord, help me to make a stand. Help me to make a stand. Amen. Anyway, he made a stand here. And that's what happened. Um, I guess I could just finish right there. But let me make one little story, one little point about Haman before we close. This, I, I mentioned earlier, Haman, he's the one that got the law passed, remember? He's the one wanting to destroy all the Jews, remember? And you remember, it makes a point of saying he's an Agagite, right? What's an Agagite? Y'all remember King Saul was once given the command to kill King Agag and all of all of that and his descendants or whatnot? And Saul spared him. Because of Saul sparing Agag, Saul lost his kingdom. Israel lost a lot of men. They lost battles because of that. And here, years later, here's a descendant of Agag that was supposed to have been killed. Isn't that crazy? And here's this descendant of Agag wanting to destroy all of Israel that he can. It's just amazing to me. Spiritual things are so powerful. Do you think God saw in advance years earlier when he was telling Saul he knew trouble coming up the way through that man's descendants and what they were going to do and those people? And I just think that's amazing. Anyway, We'll finish this lesson tomorrow, I'm excuse me, next week, and, uh, and see some interesting parallels and uh, truths about how God's going to get them out of this problem. But I want to encourage you, all of you, read Esther. There are how many chapters are like nine chapters? Ten chapters? Ten chapters in Esther. So you can read easily two a day, have them all read by the end of the week. And uh, before you read, just say, God, help me to get some understanding. And Revelation is a study today, and God will. You'll, you'll be blessed, and you'll be, you've got to give you something. Amen? Well, Father, thank you for today. We thank you for our deliverance. And Lord, even as this, um, the, the Feast of Purim is coming, the, the celebration of Purim where we remember the, the deliverance that happened in Esther with Mordecai and with Haman and all these characters, Father, we remember 
our deliverance. In fact, we're always looking because they remember this. They celebrate it because this is who God is. If we'll seek him when things get difficult, we're going to see God come through for us and deliver us. So, God, we thank you, God, for this week. God, we pray empower us, strengthen us. Let your Holy Spirit, would you just lift your hands to the Lord? He's, I'm just praying. I feel God coming. Lord, in Jesus' name, God, we pray right now for a filling of the Holy Spirit. God, come upon us, every one of us. Lord, we have our hands outstretched to you. Lord, God, as a symbol and also just stretching out, saying, God, Lord, we're pulling towards you. Father, fill us. Come upon us, Lord. Touch our lives. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with courage. Fill us with wisdom. God, give us insight. God, pull us away from the things of the enemy, the devil, the lies, the deception, the temptations. God, the wrong attitudes. God, we pray that you would guide us every day and deliver us from evil this week. God, be with us and bless us. Let your face shine upon us, God. Let your glory be with us. Help us, God, Lord, and let your glory not only be upon us, Lord, shine through us in this world. God, let the glory of God in us, through our words, through our lives, shine into the darkness this week. Your will be done. God, we can't do this, but Lord, you're able to strengthen us and do it through us. In Jesus' name. Amen.